honestly. Yes, it is the year of the gerbil. <laughs> the year of the, I made that up. Yangtze myself. River. <laughs> oh, this is the last. This is the rest of the stack, guys. Squeeze Three. it in. Three tiles left. Three tiles left. Three. Welcome to which game first? where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we're in hot pursuit of a fast-moving spy across the city of London in Scotland Yard. Next, we light up the lake to make a beautiful display for the Harvest Festival in Lanterns. And lastly, we twist and turn the cards to make pictures we hope someone will recognize in Squint. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. I'm Evan Bernstein, and if you ask me to play a round of chess, I will never say no. Hi, I'm Ed Povolaitis, and here's a reminder, let the Wookiee win. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Unfried, and I'm on top of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike Grenier, and I'm a terrible banker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the worst. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, we just wanted to say thanks so much to everyone who's been listening. We are growing at a steady rate. And if you listen through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It is an incredibly effective way to help New Year's find us. Our first game up this week is Scotland Yard. Designed by Manfred Burgraff, Dorothy Garrels, Wolf Horman, Fritz Eifland, Werner Shearer, and Werner Schlegel. The Werner Brothers. <laughs> Produced by Ravensburger. Number of players, three to six, ages 10 and up. Runtime, 45 minutes. Joe, you brought this game to the table. Where'd you find it? Well, games just sort of show up unexpectedly at my house, and this is one of them. I literally have no idea how it got here. And Joe, tell us a little bit about how it's played. The players are all Scotland Yard detectives. Well, all of them, except that shady, nondescript evil mastermind who's incredibly dangerous, Mr. X. The detectives know what mode of transport Mr. X takes each turn, train, subway, or taxi. Mr. X records his locations each turn so he can't cheat, and what's more, he must periodically reveal his current location. Detectives try to deduce where he is based on his last known location and his recent modes of travel. And Joe, why did you bring this to the group? I like the idea because it's a chase that is not also a race. All of us but Evan were at the table for this game. Ed, what'd you think? Cue up some Mission Impossible music as you hunt down the notorious Mr. X. Mike, how about you? <laughs> I'm Mr. X and you'll never find... Oh, well, you caught me? <laughs> maybe I should have waited on that whole villain speech thing. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe you shouldn't have taken the time to prepare a speech. Yeah, if I didn't stand there and have a villain speech. <laughs> and Evan, how about you? I wasn't at the table for this game. I was being held in the Tower of London. Oh, wait, that's a different game. <laughs> and Joe, how about you? I like the transit map of London. Uh, it's, I found it a little intimidating. And that's saying something. Maps don't intimidate me easily. And I like the map, too. Spy hunting the old-fashioned way. A map, notepad, and eyewitness spottings. But you do need to move fast, because, boy, oh, boy, there is a great sense of urgency in this game as Mr. X moves across London. Yes, uh, it's pretty cool. I like uh, how you have to try to keep track of getting where you could move and then trying to get there. It's a very good cooperative game in that way. It's a really fun cooperative game, uh, except for poor Mr. X, who has to work <laughs> alone. So That was me, That's Mr. Right, yeah. X. Um, yeah. It was tough for me to plan my route because, you know, the board has a bunch of different transportation types on it. And there's a lot of tiny little numbers. So I'm trying to not stare at where I'm currently located. So I'm trying to look around the whole board. 
to throw people off as to where I am. I understand from a video I saw about the game that later versions of the game have included a visor so that other players cannot see where Mr. X is looking. Like a hat with a visor yeah. on it? Like Mr. X should wear mirrored sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't everybody have... To, everybody wears the visors, right? Well, no, the, the regular players wouldn't need to because they're talking about where they're going to go and they're visible on the board the whole time. Oh, you know which player is Mr. X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the player who's playing Mr. X. You don't want to know where he's looking. And Evan, unlike the game that we played, uh, the other spy game where you're looking at a map, Spyfall 2, this mm-hmm. game, everybody needs to look at the map all the time. So there isn't that problem of only the spy looking. Mm-hmm. But what Mike is saying is you got to kind of squint to see the numbers. I wish the numbers were bigger on this map. It is hard to read, and the numbers are important because they are how you map your routes. Yeah, I mean, if they had like an overhead projector or something like that where it was facing, so everybody's facing the same way and looking at a screen full of big numbers on it, Ooh. that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I think. not sure that's very practical for the game. Uh, what, you don't think everybody <laughs> should buy an overhead projector to uh, play the game? <laughs> comes with an overhead projector. <laughs> I'm thinking some enterprising person would print the map and put it on their own overhead projector or projector if they... I'm See, I'm saying overhead projector. I'm definitely... Uh, uh, showing my age here. 1970s. Yeah, I mean, you can just do it on a projector now. <laughs> projector? You could use a film strip. Well, this would also work really well as an app. I mean, if you had a phone app, that way I'm scrolling around the map looking at it myself. Oh, yeah. that That's probably the, the yeah. real way you can do this game now. If you're not going to do a board game and actually make it a computer game. Well, you could still have the board, but the spy could have like a little phone app so he can look at the map better. You know what I mean? That way nobody sees where he's looking on the board. I loved the way that you could take multiple modes of transportation from one location. So we're following the spy throughout London. He's in, he starts in one location. We start in other locations. And let me say, this map is an actual representation of London. So the neighborhoods are correct and all that, which is really neat. Um, but he starts in a different location and you can't tell which direction he's going necessarily. You can only see the mode of transportation. So for example, if he takes the subway, he may be going in four or to four or five different locations. So you, you can do some deductive work, which is really great. And the further you move, the less options there were to have moved that far. The subway moves really far across the board, but there's only a couple subway stops on the board. And, uh, if you're walking, you can go to any adjacent location pretty much. So Yeah, yeah uh, pretty much you can take a taxi from any spot to any spot, but the uh, the bus or the underground are much more limited than the where they can go and go from. But they do go further, which is like, you know, if somebody, if their people are closing in on you, they might... Are they hot on your tail? Yeah, if they're hot on your tail, you might want to get out of there quickly, but also you have to worry that they might think... Oh, he's going to want to get out of here quickly. He's probably going to take this. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I would take the subway if I were that guy. Yeah. They give a lot of nice tools to Mr. Ecto. They give him a, a double X move where he can move twice. Yeah. And they also give him these uh, secret tickets. Basically, it's like, uh, I went some way, but you don't know which one I used, which mode I used. There, there were some good tools. I didn't really use them to their full effect, especially because the game went like two rounds. <laughs> <laughs> we deduced it pretty quickly. We got lucky. Like, oh, wait a minute. You might have gone to that fight. Yeah. You saw it at the last second where you were just about to make a decision where to go. And then the last second, you're like, he could have done this. Yeah, let's go for that. <laughs> Slam. <laughs> Mr. X caught. <laughs> well, in in the end, it, I mean, it's likely that at some point during the game, the detectives are going to act on hunches. 
Yeah. And every once in a while, the hunch is going to nail you. Yeah, of course. Whether it was logical or not. Right. And it's uh, interesting that, yes, it's a cooperative game where there's four of us hunting Mr. X, but... Um, or three of us in this case, hunting Mr. X, and we are all diff- in different locations too. So we could try to close in on him. So he definitely does need more tools than us. I keep forgetting about Mr. X. I get to take a turn. I forget about my job. What? What? We're looking for Mr. X. I heard he was getting on a bus. Numerous reviews for this game do make the point that the maximum number of players makes it harder for Mr. X because the more detectives who are on the case trying to track him down, the harder it is for him. They can cover more ground. Uh, yeah, I, I, if I was Mr. X, I'd rather have three detectives looking for me than five. <laughs> the only advantage that Mr. X gets, if it is one, with more players is the detectives have a limited amount of transportation. Mr. X does not. There'd be more cards being used up before I had to reveal myself. That that would be helpful. Yes, we, we have to share a pool of transportation as the detectives. Right. That's how Mr. X wins, basically. The detectives have no more moves. Yeah. So with all of them cooperating, if there's like six detectives or five detectives working at the same time, there's five people that are going to go and use up cards before I have to take a turn. And every third or fourth turn, I have to uh, reveal myself. Now, the Ravensburger version of this game that we played uh, is is a bit old, but I love the pieces that came with this game. The tracking card that Mr. X gets is cool. The pieces that we move around the board are very cleverly designed. They're like a little clear cup, so you can see the number that you're on through the clear cup, but at the top of the cup is your color. I liked moving them around because it almost felt like a tall man in a cape. That's what it almost <laughs> looked like to me. To me, it reminded me of like a pin that goes into a map. Yeah. I did like the pieces and I love the board that was laid out as a map, even though it looks a little daunting when you first open it. You're, there's so many tiny, tiny buildings on it. They don't really matter. It's just for the look. So don't get daunted just by looking at the map. Yeah, there's lines all over the map too, tons of them and tons of numbers. And all of that stuff is pretty simple to understand, but it's messy. So it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Scotland Yard. Ed, how about you? This is a classic game that still shines as a fun chase game. Dig it up. Mike, how about you? Um, I only got to play Mr. X, so I don't know what both sides of the game are. I have to say bury it for now just because the game was so short for me. Evan, how about you? Can't say, didn't play, maybe someday I'll go that way. Joe, how about you? I've played a few games where one player is being hunted by all the others, and I think this might be the best one I've seen yet in a modern setting. Uh, if you like that idea, dig this one up. And I say dig it up. It is fun. Um, the tracking is way more dynamic than, say, a game like Clue. So for a figure-it-out game, I enjoyed it. And Joe, where can you find Scotland Yard? I found three editions of Scotland Yard available on Amazon, starting at $25 and up to $100 for older versions of the game. And I'm sure you can find it at your local big box store, too. If you have thoughts about Scotland Yard, please let us know. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Which Game First. And we want to remind everybody, if you'd like to support this show, for just $3 a month, you can become a supporter today. Right now, supporters get six exclusive episodes. That is 18 game reviews available only to our patrons. There's also a really fun interview with popular game designer Gil Hova and more interviews coming soon. 
Also, for patrons only, our very first live Discord chat on October 4th, 2018. There's new content being added all the time for our patrons. Just go to our website at witchgamefirst.com and click on Become a Supporter today. Our next game up today is Lanterns, The Harvest Festival, designed by Christopher Chung, published by Foxtrot Games and Renegade Game Studios in 2015. Number of players, two to four, ages eight and up, runtime, 30 minutes. Ed, you brought this game to the table. Where'd you find it? Well, as I often am, I'm at Gen Con, and I saw this game, and it had a lot of positive buds, so I decided to check it out. And tell us a little bit about how it's played. You are artisans decorating the palace lake with floating lanterns. Players start with a handful of three lake tiles and place one each turn drawn replacement. Players earn lantern cards based on the orientation of the tile played, which can result in bonus cards if you get a match with the existing tiles. Also, favor tokens may be rewarded if the placed tile has a platform along with the color match. You may turn in two favor tokens to exchange cards once each turn, and may turn in a set of cards to claim a dedication token to earn honor. The game ends after no one can place a new tile, and after that round, the player with the most honor wins. And why did you bring this game to the group? The box art is very colorful and inviting. It seems to offer a fast-playing, tile-laying, and set collection game. All of us but Evan were at the table for this game. Joe, what'd you think of it? At first glance, the tiles reminded me of generic wallpaper samples, but once we started playing, I found them intriguing. Mike, how about you? It looks relaxing, but don't be fooled. Your choices will quickly become more difficult. <laughs> Evan, how about you? Since I did not play, one might say I'm in the dark when it comes to lanterns. <laughs> See what I did there? Smooth. Ed, how about you? Behind this mesmerizing display of lovely colors, there are some interesting choices in the lane of the tiles. This is such a chill and pretty game. It looked beautiful, <laughs> and the flow of tile movement felt like 30 minutes in a feng shui groove. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a lot of choices that matter. Very consequential choices about where to place your tiles so that you don't give away extra cards to your opponents that they might need, and so that you can work towards your goal. And as the board continues to grow, those choices become more and more. So it starts with this nice relaxing lanterns on a lake where it almost doesn't matter where you place your tile to the end where you're going, oh, my God, how can I stop that other player from getting what they need so I can win? (laughs) (laughs) It changes gears. Yeah, that may be why I came in last because I was just enjoying putting lovely lanterns down. You stayed mesmerized. Too calm. It was great because he kept giving me the color I needed. Oh, man, I know. And I was like shaking my fist like, no, not again. But I had such a beautiful array of lanterns. Wasn't that the point? I know. Who cares? All you have to do is map the colors and get yourself more colors. You're doing great. You're doing great, Celeste. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. It's perfect. And with Ed's encouragement. You know, I was just trying to adhere to the theme. All right. We're not in some horrible competition to lay out as many lanterns as possible. Are we all that desperate to impress the emperor? I mean, absolutely. The Harvest Festival is paramount. We must pay attention. But I'm not going to bring them. But what I'm going to do here is what we're going to do here. We're going to plant the lanterns. We're going to plant the lanterns. lanterns. (laughs) We're planting the lanterns. 
<laughs> it was fun to place the tiles. The reward system was great. They had pictures of exactly what you needed on each reward card, so it felt great to grab one. There's one of them where you want to get one of every color, and then there's another type of set where you want basically three pairs, and there's another type of set that's four of a kind. Three pairs of what? Well, say three pairs of colors, so two green, two blue, two purple. Doesn't matter what the colors were. Kind of like Splendor, you don't care that they're lanterns. <laughs> they're, they're just colors. <laughs> <in> the <end. laughs> Except in this game, I really felt the theme more, because I'm physically laying down lanterns in the lake. Yeah, you're a designer. Yeah, and if you look at it top down, you can see exactly what the lake looks like now. So it's kind of a nice uh, display there. And so many choices. So when you're oh, laying a so tile, many. you I never felt stuck. Yes, I probably should have used more strategy um, <laughs> rather than focusing on the mm-hmm. beauty of it. but um, Or just, you know, the enjoyment of what I thought would look pretty or give me the most immediate yield. You know, the, the biggest serotonin hit for me at the moment rather than planning ahead. Um, but... I never felt stuck. I could always have four or five options for where to lay a tile down each turn. And that was really nice. And no move felt catastrophic. I I felt, and let me know if you guys who are really more focused on strategy, did you feel that there wasn't, there was a move you couldn't come back from? Um, I mean, there were times where I wish I had waited on laying a specific tile. I would have got much more bang for my buck. Um, but I never felt like I got nothing from my turn. Yeah, I think they were pretty good about that because you always get at least something from every lay. Yeah. And, and often you can set it up where you get yourself a bonus card. I always seem to have a choice about which way to attempt the next score. And it, it felt like a laid back sort of game. I think one of the reasons for that is that even though it, it can be difficult to win, it, I think it's rare for anyone to actually get slaughtered because scoring is not that hard. <laughs> I came close. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Celeste came as close as you can to being slaughtered, I think. And yet, and yet I really enjoyed the game. Even mm-hmm. though my score was bad, I felt like I was given enough enjoyment with what I was doing, almost like I was playing by myself. To me, that's you a know? sign of a good game, too. When that's a good that game. Is. Yeah. Not only does it do that, but it also keeps everybody engaged, too, so you don't have take your turn and then wait for everybody else to go. You're watching what the other person does, collecting some lanterns, and what you've collected from the other three turns helps to form your strategy when your turn comes up and you're the whole time thinking about what you're going to do your next turn. So it does a great job engaging all the other players. I think that's part of the key in the the enjoyability. Every time every player lays down a tile, you're likely getting something. So you're getting something every player turn almost, which is nice. Because when they're laying down the tile, you get the color that faces you. Yeah, so your placement at the mm. table actually matters. And uh, we sat at a square uh, rectangular table that was a little too long, so we kind of had to tilt the board at a diagonal so that we'd all be facing oh, our that. actual side. <laughs> right, uh-huh. right. Kind of like when you're stuck playing bridge on a on a big table and mm-hmm. you sort of yep. have to imagine the square. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, this is a game that probably does play a little bit better on your smaller square card tables. Just to add to the beauty and the enjoyability of the game, you know, the art isn't complex, but it is very pretty. And I think a lot of that hinges on the specific color scheme they chose. It was a very soothing color scheme with soft, dark backgrounds on uh, and in the foreground, deep, rich, like an autumn color palette. It was very chill. Yeah. This game has an advantage of being able to appeal to new gamers who have never seen it before and people who really want to be engaged in it and be competitive. Because, you know, it's one of those games where the rules are simple. Place a tile down, get some cards, and 
use them to buy your victory points. Yes. It can feel both. You're right, Mm -hmm. Mike. It can feel both competitive and not competitive. And the way it helps, I think, newer players to not feel like a sort of a desperate angst is the reward cards don't disappear once one person gets them. Mm -hmm. So you can get multiple people can get the same reward card. It did have a declining point uh, thing that happened though in each stack. So you do want to get to it first because uh, a couple of them will be the same value and then it starts to slowly go down to the point where actually strategically it's almost better to buy one of the point cards that started off a little cheaper because uh, you're using up less cards to get it. Yes. They balance that pretty well, I think. Yeah. I like that it didn't disappear, but it does matter. Yeah, I like that after that point about being a strategic and competitive game. And I think one thing that points to that is this is a 2015 Mensa Select game. Ah, Mensa. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so smart after playing it. That's when you know you got yourself a little bit of a brain burner. I love that. It doesn't leave anybody out, though. I mean, you don't have to be Mensa to play this game. Okay. It's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Lanterns. Joe, what do you think? I could dig this up. I'd call it a beer and pretzels game, but it makes me feel more like drinking green tea. (laughs) Mike, how about you? A sign of a good game is whether I want to try a different strategy next time I play, and this game did that for me, so dig it up. Evan, how about you? Looks good. Sounds pretty good. I'll play it someday and then decide whether to light up the lanterns or snuff out the lights. (laughs) Ed, how about you? The game is simple but elegant. It offers enough options to keep you engaged, so dig it up. Yeah, I would definitely say dig this game up. It was so engrossing and, for me, relaxing. So relaxing, I apparently forgot to win. But I could see myself someday playing so many times that I would eventually get competitive. This game is something I could play over and over. Ed, where can you get it? The game is generally available and goes for about $35 MSRP. If you have thoughts about Lantern, let us know. We're at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Squint, designed by Deborah Boss. And the artist, which I think bears mentioning, is John Kavalik. The producer is Out of the Box Games, same company that produced Apples to Apples. And the number of players is three to eight. It's for ages 12 and up. Runtime is 30 minutes. I brought this game to the table and I found it. Guess where, guys? The cheapo shop. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) A local thrift store for two bucks. In this game... 72 cards get tossed face up in the center of the table with various shapes on them, like a cross or different sized circles or wavy lines, etc. Players take turns drawing a card with words on it. They then try to convey one of the words using any number of shape cards from the center of the table. The other players try to guess what the word is. If a player guesses the word before the timer is up, both they and the person making the picture get points. I brought this game to the table because it's from the makers of Apples to Apples, and Hmm. I've had a lot of fun playing that game. So I was predisposed to give any other games from the same company a chance. All of us but Mike were at the table for this game. Ed, what did you think? If you squint just hard enough, you might be able to make out the game. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ouch. And Joe, how about you? (laughs) The game is a clever name, and I know that I sometimes play a little slower than my panel mates, but I thought I was one of the quicker players this time around. Ah, interesting. And Evan, how about you? Humans are very good at pattern recognition, but it's a double-edged sword because sometimes we see things that really aren't there. Mm-hmm. And Mike, how about you? It seems like a cool opportunity to think outside the box, so it caught my attention. I cannot believe the same company that put 
the brilliant and slick apples to apples together gave us this game. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> Ow. Wow. I am going to start at the beginning here with the box cover. This box cover is one of the ugliest I've ever seen. What do you oh, guys wow. think? Oh, my gosh. It's pretty ugly. I don't think it's the ugliest. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think it's actually conveyed within the box. <laughs> You know, my, my first reaction to seeing the box, now that you mention it, I, my, my heart and my stomach both kind of sank when I saw it like, oh, no, I can tell I'm not going to like this game. And maybe it's the maybe it is the colors. I want a font in word that is squint font. Yeah, the font is horrific, too. <laughs> The box cover has a sickly green. I think it is very off-putting. Did you know I checked out the boxes from the other countries where Squint is published? And every other country got black and light blue. We got navy and chartreuse. (laughs) I'm not good. I mean, black lines actually would have been a lot more stimulating on the cards themselves. The cards had navy blue. Yeah, that could have looked like a sketch or something, like you were drawing it with a pencil. If it was black. If it was black, yeah. The lines that the artist gave us were extremely simple, extremely bold, um, because you really need to take shapes and create something out of them. So let's say one of the cards said boat. You need to take circles, squiggles, and stripes and make them into a boat by shaping the cards together. And so, you know, you can block off portions of the cards with with blank sides of the cards and everything. But black lines, I think, would have really helped get your brain in order. So you, like, overlap the cards on each other and connect the lines together? Exactly. Yeah, I didn't use that strategy. I should yeah. have in thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. The, the builder can move or animate the shape cards. It is a little difficult to control for things like, well... Blurting out words or semantics and other things you're not supposed to be doing in this game. That's very hard to control for. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I hate to go back to it, but green. Why? <laughs> it was so bad. The, the scoring chips were green. And yeah, even they were. the sand in the hourglass was that sickly green color. I mean, imagine going to the extra expense of coloring the sand. They like chartreuse. <laughs> Celeste, they're color, they were colorblind. That, that would be interesting research. I, uh, do our chartreuse products of all kinds, cheaper across the, <laughs> the board. The ink is cheaper because nobody uses it. <laughs> the uh, Apples to Apples people just didn't care about this game. They're like, what color's left at the factory? Uh, we got something that looks like puke over here. Well, what they didn't that? know how to do art because in their first game, they had zero art. It was just printed words on cards. So they're like, oh, God, art, what's that? Wait, a color? What? <laughs> <laughs> ah, colors and art. What do we do? <laughs> the bold lines of these cards, which basically was just straight up liner, aren't bad. There's a good variety of shapes to work with, but the mechanics of the game where you have to, you can overlap these cards and shape them in. I could see where you could get really good at this game and wow Mm. people with how quickly you could do it. But where's the inspiration to do that? Like Mm. this game, just like, oh, make a picture, guess it, go on to the next guy. It sounds kind of fun to me, honestly. I, I kind of sad that I didn't play it. Um, a spider. Doc. An octopus. A doc. Yeah, no. A bay. Don't forget, you can say things like hot and cold. Oh, hot. Ooh. Oh, uh, a. Um, a dock. A bay. A, a, a bay. boat. A, 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 oh my gosh. A, a yacht. Do- a bay. A bay. A boat. Oh, a launcher. Rocket launcher. 
there were a lot of different kinds of cards, but there, there didn't seem to be enough of them. And it's not like I was counting, but some images just didn't come together that well with what I had available. That's interesting, Joe. I think that speaks to just how your brain operates. We all know that Joe basically works with insane amounts of data at once in his head. And <laughs> perhaps he just felt like there wasn't enough data. But I personally felt overwhelmed with the amount of cards. Is there a limit to how many cards you can use for each nope. image that you're trying to make? Oh, so you can use oh. all 72 cards if you yep. wanted to. <laughs> yeah, oh, so yeah, if, definitely. So if the word was hot mess, you could just grab all the cards and just <laughs> scrumble them around. <laughs> One of the mechanics I thought was a little weird is when you get your card, you actually have to roll a die, and then the, you know, the die would determine which word on the card you would use. Oh. And they were in scale and difficulty, so... No, the one word would be easier to do than the say the three point word. Hmm. But you don't get but you don't get to choose. You have to roll the die in order to get it. But I thought I think it would have been better if they gave you the choice. Yes, I think you're right. Ed, that would have inspired me more to go if it was my choice, it would have inspired me more. Yeah. Yeah, house rule, throw away the die and just choose it. That's cool. Yeah. Throw whoa. Yep. Well, I know, on, did right? you just say throw away a die? <laughs> I mean, for this game. Put <laughs> well, it into he... your dice bag with the other dice. I mean, I would never do that to a die. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have dice from 1978 I still have. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> They're not really cubes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't know. It's All the things you're saying sound really fun to me, but it seems like maybe they didn't choose good words or maybe those colors were just more off-putting than I could possibly imagine. But it seems cool to, to take something abstract and to try to make it into something that people will understand. I love games like that. The reason they say they named this game Squint is because they say that if you squint while you're looking at the pictures that are being made, it's easier to make out what they might be. I don't. I <laughs> think they may have over, overshot on that one. I would love to hear from uh, our audience on whether or not squinting helped them play this game i mean for you guys it sounds like if you closed your eyes you would have had more fun with it <laughs> <laughs> okay it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury squint evan how about you well it's not my kind of game i'm not really big into drawing type games to begin with they bore me quickly and this game is no different for me so i'm drawing a shovel so i can bury it <laughs> uh in this game it's assembling a shovel so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> Joe, how about you? you know, uh, personally, I'd, I'd bury it. Young children might like this, though. <laughs> Ed, how about you? There isn't anything particularly wrong with this game. It's fine for what it is. But I think there are other games that do this better, so I'd bury it. And Mike, how about you? I don't know. After hearing what you guys thought about this, I'll probably never get a chance to play it with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll hold my judgment, but for some reason, it sounds fun to me, but uh, does not look good for Homestyle Runner. <laughs> for a simple picture making game this was not particularly clever um and i was a bit disappointed considering the company's pedigree uh i have definitely played better picture making games so i'm gonna have to say bury it sorry out of the box this game is uh, all over the place online it is older and i'm not sure they're making it right now i don't think they are but it's available if you have thoughts about Squint, please let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash whichgamefirst. And our supporters get additional, exclusive, full episodes. 
Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Witch Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And on iTunes, leave us a review if you get a chance. It helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server, Witch Game First, and our Patreon subscribers get access to exclusive channels. Okay, game explorers, roll those dice, draw those cards, stack those cubes. Happy gaming! Bye! See you next time. Miss me yet? <laughs>